For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Francisca Show podcast on jewishcoffeehouse.com. The show where I give a voice to Jewish issues, topics, and people. I'm Francisca, your host. Moadim lesimcha. A guten moed. Throwback episode for today is the Afi Komen special. The links will be in the show notes. Today is a rerun episode that I am doing for the first time. So I hope you enjoy listening or re-listening to this powerful story of a woman who found her way out from the darkest and hardest of times. Next week, we will be back with a brand new episode. This is a Jewish coffeehouse podcast. So if you enjoy this podcast, you will probably enjoy the other podcasts such as Orthodox Conundrum, Intimate Judaism, Chochmat Nashim, Let My People Eat. And the link is also in the show notes for you. Next, I'm helping companies with video content as well as podcasting and social media growth. And I'm starting a new done-for-you service at K Productions and I'm taking on new clients after Pesach. So if you or anyone you know who is looking for this kind of service and support, please do refer them to me. Referrals from you is how you support me and the show. But that's not the only way you can support me. There are other ways. You can share this podcast. You can rate and review this podcast on whatever app you're listening to. It. And my favorite way is by sending me a message with your feedback and your thoughts. You can also participate in the WhatsApp discussion group. So with all of this, I hope you learn from this episode or just find it inspiring or interesting, whatever you need it to be. And here we go. Welcome back to the Francisca Show podcast, Francis. I'm very excited about today's episode because... At, at some point, I wanted to create a whole new podcast just around this topic, financial literacy or education and awareness around finances in the firm community. Since then, I've noticed many podcasts did start around that and started to help and bring more awareness. Nothing quite as what I <laughs> pictured and imagined, but in, in that light and in that field and topic, I got a volunteer who is so generous today to come on. Kelly, thank you for coming on to talk about your vulnerable, most vulnerable times when you were financially distraught. I'm sure there were religious feelings and repercussions around that as well, because they're so intertwined, our lifestyle with the financial implications of it. So welcome to the show, Kelly. Thank you for being so brave. Thank you. Let's get started. Tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. So I'll tell you a little bit about my story of how I, I got here. I'm sure everyone's story is a little bit different, but I got married at 21 years old and my husband was 23. Like every, you know, good religious girl got married very young. We were both in our bachelor's degrees and I guess we were kind of financially naive, I guess to say, but we did have an awareness that children were expensive. And when we asked our rev for, for birth control, because that's what you were supposed to do. He gave us three months, which is nothing looking back. And I asked when we asked after three months, he said, well, if you weren't ready to have children, then why did you get married? And 
So we definitely had this feeling of guilt that why did we get married if we weren't ready to have children? But we really kind of wanted to be financially stable before we had children. So I guess we were just young and we didn't realize no one had ever sat us down and said, you know, here are the costs of having children and the cost of life and the cost of health insurance and the cost of everything. And so we had our first child and he was born with special needs. So playgroup wasn't really much of an option for him. So I kind of had to cut back my hours working to part-time and school was put on, my master's degree was put on hold for a bit. And my husband was working odds and ends jobs while he was in school, ones that accommodated his school schedule, but nothing really that fit the bill, that really paid the bills. And then I found out I was expecting my second. And my second was born with a lot of medical issues. So I basically, I was, I quit my job because I was too overwhelmed taking care of my oldest with autism and my second who could not go to playgroup for a very long time because he was immune compromised. And every time he caught a cold, he ended up back in the ICU. So it was definitely a trying time. And at that point we were living in a basement, which we like to refer to as Jurassic Park because there was a, a light fixture that bees would come in from. We found snakes in the apartment. There were rats. There was like mice running around. It was a basement. It was, it was horrible. But the part that kind of put us over the edge was the mold. And my son had asthma and we were, we just couldn't, we couldn't, we were living there because we just were trying to get through. And I guess my husband didn't have much guidance in the way of his fields, even though he was finished his master's, he was taking these jobs that just weren't paying money, but that's a whole nother my husband has no muscle. It's a thing that we've been told so many times. <laughs> so even jobs that like everyone else is very successful in, for some reason, it just, you know, it just, it, they did, it didn't work out. <laughs> and then we had to move. We couldn't afford anything. We were months behind on our rent as it was. So we took, my husband was just starting a new job at the time, which sounded very promising. He, you know, had his degree in business and finance and, we took this apartment because we really felt we were stuck. Like, what should I do? My son has asthma. He can't live in this basement with, you know, the mold and the mice and the squirrels and the bees and the snakes. <laughs> so we took a, an apartment that was out of our price range. And we surprisingly fell behind on our rent again. <laughs> so not really surprising. At that point, my husband switched jobs yet again, because we ended up taking a job that, you know, was just salaried, even though it wasn't a much of a salary, it was 35 a year, which is not much. And here's where things got really tricky and hashgraphically very challenging for me was I decided at that point, my son was caught up on vaccines and I decided to send him to playgroup. My older son was in a special needs school, which was a fortune. And I tried going back to work at this one job, but we couldn't agree on a pay. So I was ended up getting paid less than it was for me to pay for childcare. So that didn't work. I applied for food stamps and no matter how many times I applied, they kept losing our package in the mail, like our, or we even applied online and they said, oh, we didn't receive it. And it was falling through. We applied for Tom Shabbos for the first three weeks. They sent it to the wrong house. I tried going back to my old job, but well, first I went to a food bank because we had no food in the house and I need to feed my children and on the way home, my bags ripped and everything fell all over the floor. The next day was I decided to go back to my old job in, you know, in a different city, which at the end of the day, I was coming home with about $30 a day after 
gas, tolls, and and childcare. It wasn't even if it was thirty dollars a day, but I figured it's something. I'll do it. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't lazy. And then the next day was a snowstorm. We were all snowed in for three days and our electric was shut off. And the day after that was my first day back at work in about a year and a half. And my car was parked outside and someone totaled it. Not just hit it, they totaled my car. I was like, Hashem, I don't know what you want from me. I am doing everything within my power to take care of my family. Everything. And nothing was working out. My husband, thank God at that point, was making enough money to just get us somewhat by. Could you just say what special needs school cost a month and like what were those expenses? So like? we were we were on a scholarship, but it was about eight hundred a month. And that was on a scholarship that and we the were paying play for group. Was how much? It was a it was a nursery. And the the playgroup that I was paying for him, I found a very cheap one for eleven an hour. And the special needs school was eight hundred a month. And our rent was about eighteen hundred a month. And we had we didn't have health insurance for a long time because we couldn't afford it because it was twelve hundred a month. And that was just we didn't that wasn't even an option. I was also sick at the time, but we didn't know it because I didn't have time to take care of myself. But I had an undiagnosed autoimmune disorder which was causing me to be really, really exhausted all the time. Do you still have it? I do, but now it's medicated. I still have it. I ended up having surgery to remove like a tumor that was growing, but I just didn't have any, there was no taking care of myself at the time. Um, It was just, you know, survive the day. At that point, I, my husband and I were like, we just, we can't live like this anymore. So after the food stamps kicked in, I had emailed Tom Chayshabas to tell him, thank you so much for all your help. I was really practicing gratitude at the time, just trying to like appreciate the small things, whatever it was. So I emailed them saying, thank you so much. We no longer need it. We're back on our feet a little bit. And I really appreciate all the help. And someone from there reached out and said, if there's anything I can do to help you. So at that point, I was being harassed by one of our previous landlords, not even the one where we were. My husband owed him $500. So he started coming after me for the 500, um, which is his right. It's his money. I get it but I didn't have it. So I emailed this man. I said, you know, if I could borrow 500 just to pay back this old landlord, it would be really helpful if you know, if that's something that you have. And he was amazing. And he said, well, if you don't have 500, I can imagine that you don't have more than that either. So he's like, what else can I help you with? So I said, you know what? I, I really, I've been dying to go back to school, but I can't even afford the application. I really, I always had these dreams of, you know, getting, having a master's, my doctorate, and it really got put on hold and I would love to go back to school. And he said, sure, no problem. And sent me $2,000 for the first semester, my books and the application fees. And I sat down at a computer that night and I said, find something, choose from a list of what you want to do and figure it out and don't get up from this computer. So I made this Excel spreadsheet of all the different schools and my different options and I sat at the computer and then I chose one and I started, we started school that semester. And I figured even if I can't use my degree right now, as soon as my kids are a little bit bigger, I'll have what to rely on. And I'm not going to be stuck looking for jobs that pay $12 an hour. I did that and I went to a school online. And another thing we did was my husband and I left the tri-state area and we said, we're going to find somewhere to live that we can afford. And we don't need to, you know, for the stress that we're getting in our lives and the amount we're paying to not be able to live, it's not worth it. So we went to the OU community fair. We found a really 
lovely out-of-town community um, where houses were much more affordable. We rented first. We didn't, we just went for a rental. My husband, actually, his job fell through last minute. So he stayed in the Tri-State area for an extra four months. And I moved here, down here with my children. And we were just really desperate to change our situation. So we did. And my husband got a great job out here that paid for him to get his series six and series sevens and all his finance degrees that he needed. And right now I'm not using my degree. I did graduate a year and a half ago. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm working for a small firm here. I mainly stick with it because they let me make my own hours and I work about 25 hours a week. And it's mostly, you know, being able to have that financial support to stay in the working world while I'm busy taking care of my children until they're in school full time. Within that whole mix, I ended up having two more children. It's a whole another issue. I was really angry when I found out I was pregnant. It's like, you're not even giving me the money to support the children I do have. And now you're going to give me another two? But I really kind of looked at it as... They're twins? No, not even. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, I don't have good luck with birth control. (laughs) And I was like, okay, God, you really, you think I'm such a good mother that you're going to give me more. I'm flattered. You know, there are so many people that would love to have children. And I've met some really incredible people along the way who have helped us financially. And I think there's so much shame involved in it because... There's this idea that if you're not financially stable, you must not be trying hard enough. Or, oh, those religious Jews, they're living off the system. Can tell you that that it's not pleasant to be broke. Nobody chooses this. And it was incredible to see God's hands in stopping Parnassa over and over and over and over again. My husband likes to say that he has no mazel. I don't think that's a nice way of putting it. It's more of like just accepting that this is what, you know, what God chose for us. And I think that nobody would look at someone who can't have children and say that, oh, you're just not trying hard enough. But it's kind of the same idea. Like God just chose that this is for us. Right now we're living month to month. And I'm so grateful to be living month to month instead of a year and a half ago to almost a year and a half ago. (laughs) So it's, it's nice. And one thing that we really learned from it was trying to decide, figure out how we can use our gifts from God to contribute to our community without finances. It really made us tap into our inner selves of what abilities and what, what strengths do we have? Can you give me examples? For example, my husband is part of Haver Katisha and he has gone most nights a week doing Taharas. So that's something that not everyone can do because it's, you need a really strong internal. So he realized that that's something that he can do. He's part of many other organizations here that, you know, Sundays, Saturday nights, late at nights, he's out there. We open our house to almost any time that we are asked to host something in our community, because that's something we can do. We do have that. Our getting our house was a huge bracha. It was you really saw God's hand in helping us get it in the midst of COVID. When I found out, I was expecting number four. We were living in a two-bedroom apartment. And I was like, it's it's the fridge or it's the baby. <laughs> Choose one. <laughs> there was nowhere. There was already a kid in our, our room on the floor. Like there was nowhere to put another one. But it was incredible to see how like everything worked out with like God's hand. How did it work out? Our realtor felt really bad because everything was falling through. So he reached out to someone whose house was on the market a year and a half ago, but never sold. 
and said, I have a couple, can they come see it? And the man was working like 60 hours a week. He didn't have time to see what he could have gotten for his house at that time, which was way more than we were paying. And he just accepted the offer before we even saw the house. And it was everything that we had dreamed of, a working fireplace, a backyard, a front yard, nice neighbors. It was everything. And the houses that we had been looking at were nothing what we were looking at, but we were what we wanted. We were just desperate. So that was really incredible. And I had a friend, I have a friend, I should say, who is rather wealthy. And she told me when I found out I was pregnant with the last one, not to worry, she's going to help. I was like, you don't need to take care of my child. Like you have enough of your own children. And she has held up to her word. And at the beginning when I was on maternity leave, she sent money. And it was really amazing. I mean, I hated the feeling that I was taking money from someone, but on the other hand, my, I, I needed to feed my children. So that was really, really amazing. Something that we were told from the very beginning was don't worry about having children. Hashem sends Parnassah with each child. And that's what our Rav kept telling us. So I kind of felt after when everything was broke and we were living in a drastic park. And I remember one Shabbos meal, I served my husband a cucumber with salt. And I cut off the parts that were mushy. That was all I had to say. And my husband is such a kind, sweet, positive person that he said, that was his answer. And it was, that was, that's just who he is. And I remember I was just heartbroken because that's all we had in the house. But I thought all these Rabbana promised us that Parnassa comes with the child, but it doesn't come with the child if you don't have a degree and you don't have someone supporting you. So I was really angry at God for a very long time because I just felt like you're giving me these children to take care of, but you're not helping me take care of them. I am not lazy. It's not that I'm choosing to be broke. It's not that I want to live off the system. I would like to support myself, but you're not giving me the avenues to do that. So that was really challenging. You did mention that other people have families too. I don't know if you mentioned this on record yet or not. But did you or your husband have family to lean on or to go in desperate times? So I do not have family support. I was emancipated from my parents at 17 years old after being in the foster care system. And so familial support, I did not have. My husband's parents were financially well off, but they were going through all their own everything at the time. And they actually lost most of their money. And they were just not in a place to be able to be emotionally available either. So we really didn't have much family support when we were living in the tri-state area, which made it much easier to move out because it's not like we were giving up any help, which we weren't. So we didn't have financial support. And we also didn't have the awareness of what life as a religious do really does cost. As much as we you know, had looked up online about budgets, no one budgets in Pesach and Sukkot and yeshiva tuition, that wasn't, you know, we had no idea. When we said, oh, we'll get our own health insurance, we didn't realize it's $1,500 a month for your family. And that wasn't an option. There was one point when my son was in the hospital when he was about three months old and he was in the ICU and he was being released and they sent a prescription in for his medicine. And we got to the pharmacy and it was $100. And all of our credit cards were maxed out. And our bank accounts were in overdraft. And we had to not get him the medicine because we didn't have it. And 
it was heartbreaking to know that God gave me this child who was medically frail and I can't support him. I, I can't even get him his medicine that he needs. And it wasn't because we're thrifty. I, it wasn't because we're financially irresponsible. We don't go on vacations. We don't go out to eat. We don't buy ourselves new clothing. Thankfully now I, I can buy something if I need to, but it wasn't because we were financially irresponsible and it wasn't because we were lazy and it wasn't because we didn't try. We tried everything. My husband was working about 50 hours a week between three jobs to try and bring in enough money to just survive. And I was working an at-home job at the time just for my old company, but it wasn't much. But And it was in between taking care of my oldest child and all of his therapies, and my second child and all of his doctor's appointments, and myself being sick and not knowing what to do. I didn't know what was wrong with me because there was no time in the schedule to go to a doctor and I didn't have health insurance. So that wasn't an option. Thankfully, once I started back in school, I was working full-time at that time also. And we were looking to move out when things started to look a little bit up for us. Thankfully, they, they've turned around. Talk to me a little bit about the turning things around and changing the mazel around. So it started off by leaving the tri-state area. Yes, we left the tri-state area to a place where our rent was way more affordable, which is one thing. How much was rent? We were paying 1300 here as opposed with all its utilities included, as opposed to instead of 18, not including utilities. So it came out to about 2100 a month to live. And we had a much nicer apartment here than we did there. So that was one thing. Two, my husband got a salary position to pay for his schooling. So they paid for all his schooling to get his all his finance degrees, which was his dream. And instead of working a bunch of odds and ends jobs just to try and get by. That was very helpful. And I was taking out loans from school to help pay for life while I was finishing school. And then once I finished school, I got this job where they're very accommodating for my children's lives. And they understand that I have to leave for therapies and they understand that I, my children have a lot of doctor's appointments and they're just, they're very accommodating for me, which is why I stay here. And they let me work from home when I need to. You spoke about loans and maxed out credit cards. What did that look like? Do you still have those loans? I have my student loans and I pay them back monthly, which is I, you know, refinanced it to make it lower. We were able to slowly pay off our, we actually had to pay off a lot of our credit cards in order to get our mortgage. But once we had our income, we just paid them off slowly month by month. You know, we kind of got ourselves out of the debt. We owed money everywhere, left and right. We owed money. So we were able to slowly pay off old landlords and slowly pay off. You know, it's it wasn't because we were trying to run away and not pay our bills. It was just that we didn't have what to give. And so we slowly were able to pay off most people. My husband and I decided that that was some, a conversation that we were never going to have again. So he's going to deal with all of that. Another thing that we found helpful was we actually split our bills down the middle based on what each person makes. We each have our own bank accounts and we each have our own financial responsibilities, which makes it a little bit easier on our part because we know what each person is responsible for that they need to make a month in order to cover. So for example, I cover the kids' tuitions, clothing, and any other odds and ends that might come up over the month and the car insurance. And my husband pays the mortgage, the electricity, and we actually have a food card that we put, 
we have a special account for food. So every person, when we have any, you know, we, we submit it to them with that card. And whenever we go shopping, we take that card. So we have it all kinds of budgeted out very strategically and it works for us. So I know people say, what you have your own bank accounts. That is so not a healthy marriage. I was like, it works for us. There's no secrecy involved. We know where each of our money is going. And it's not like if I'm short one month, I can't say, hey, can I borrow 200? It's not really borrowing because I don't have to pay him back. (laughs) But it works for us. It works with our lifestyle. And it's never, oh, I see 200 in the account. Let me pay this bill. And he's thinking the same thing. And then we overdraft it because we each paid a bill with what we saw was there, which had happened to us before. Smaller goals. It's easier to be more accountable. Exactly. And and it's not like we get upset at the other person if we're short one month. It's more of like, it's just a way for us to not get overwhelmed by the amounts of bills that need to get paid every month when we're on a tight budget. Has this impacted your marriage in a negative way? Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, being overtired with a special needs child and a medically frail child mm-hmm. and financially stressed, it brings out the worst in people. <laughs> And definitely me for sure. When I'm overtired, it's like not a pretty, a pretty sign. But overall, we've we've pulled through. We've definitely gotten into fights, pretty bad ones at the times because we were just so stressed to the point of like my husband often feels like he's suffocating. Like he just, you know, and there's not just the suffocating, but the feeling that God has let him down and has, you know, kind of abandoned him with all these children with no way to support them was very hard for him. And there's my attitude of always trying to be positive. But I would say overall, when one of us is down, the other one is the rock. And we kind of realize that when it's our turn to be upset or when it's our turn that we have to be the strong one. And overall, we have a great friendship. So we've been there for each other when, you know, when we're not, when we're not functioning and we've each taken our turns with that. But overall, my husband's an incredible person. And he has so much that even when I was like, I am so done with this and I'm not talking to God ever again, he would just be like, okay, I hear you. I'm still going to do it because I believe it's right, but I hear where you're coming from. And he's never, he's not given up hope, even though, I mean, he's had many reasons So That's so beautiful. What do you feel you can do differently as parents or as a mother? Like what information do you have now that you think would be very helpful for your kids when they get married or when they become independent? One, I would like my children to budget their money. I want my children to have a concept of money before they get married and they get thrown into the world. Money was always financially stressful for me because I was a foster child and I was supporting myself since I'm like 13. But my husband didn't have that financial awareness because his parents had, you know, were wealthy. So despite, you know, God willing, very soon, my husband and I are going to have more money than we went out to do it. But mm-hmm. I would like my children to have their own bills and understand what the concept of money and what money can pay for before they get married. I would like, I'm not saying that you should not ask your abundant for a hectare for birth control, but follow your gut. If you feel that you can't handle a child on your budget, then don't. You know, there's no pressure to get yourself into debt. There's a degree. I don't believe that everyone needs to have a degree. There are many fields that are very lucrative that don't necessarily require a degree, but they should have a concept of what life costs and what your field is going to make. And there should be an awareness of a spread, even even adding them a spreadsheet and saying, this is rent. 
this is utilities, this is health insurance, this is childcare, this is diapers, this is medicine. This is what happens if you have a child who does not fit the bill of, of the budget that you were given, because that was not something that someone could have prepared me for, to have a child who I knew when he was about seven weeks old that he had special needs, even though many people were telling me that, oh, he just has some sensory issues. My undergraduate is in early childhood development. And I just, I saw all the signs, but thankfully I'm, I'm thankful that I was able to see the signs and get all the therapy set up right away and work with him on my own and get him to where he is today. But no one could prepare you for that. So it's definitely a huge financial strain when children are being told to get married and have children. I mean, 21 years old, I would, by the time I was 23, I was home with a special needs child and a medically feral child. I was a baby. You know, 23 is just, it's a lot to be saddled with. Did you, besides for Tom Shabbos, your friend who helped you with the mortgage or when your child was born, your fourth child, are there any other organizations that you got help from? Yes. There was one that helped us pay our back rent. My husband had gone to them at that point once he started a new job and he showed them that we can go forward with our rent and they helped us pay off some of our back rents. It wasn't all of it, but... That was an organization, I believe it was the JCCRP, and they helped us pay some of our back rents. Otherwise, that was all the all the help we had. And it was just, they were like really dark times that my husband and I decided to write out of our family story. But I do think that it's important to tap into and acknowledge that they happened and grow from it and do things like this podcast and and let people understand that maybe that it's time to rethink the way we push young people into marriage and families before they get themselves into a mess that they can't get out of. We thankfully did never really believed in credit cards. We always tried to stay within our budget, even though we had no budget because there was no money, but the most we ever had out on credit cards between all of ours together was probably 7,000, which is not a lot when it comes to credit card debt. Yeah. That's what I was referring to, the interest that could get out of hand and impossible yes, to the interest pay off. can get out of hand. But that was the most we that we had on our credit cards was a seven thousand, but then the interest did accrue. But it wasn't like we were forty thousand dollars in that. So it was definitely much more manageable to get out of, which I as much as it was stressful, it was definitely our saving grace that we didn't have many credit cards because we would have had to rely on them. And we would have had to because we had to live. <laughs> Are there any other positive things that you'd like to bring out to anyone who may be listening and maybe they do have family support and they are in a more in-town community that is more expensive. And for them, the idea of going out of town might mean losing, you know, a parent or in-law who's, who is able to provide free childcare or other help right. like Shabbos meals, which can cost us a lot of money. What other benefits are there to moving out of town? First of all, I live in a very small community where we are a big family. So for example, my children have been sick this entire winter, especially my one with immune compromise. He has been home with fever about twice a week since before Hanukkah. It's been a long winter. And my community is incredible. I didn't even have to ask for help. People have been dropping off food every time they hear that he's homesick. They drop off soup, they drop off challah, they drop off cake. It is incredible. Like when you move out of town to a small community, you become each other's family. And I do the same thing for my friends when they need something. I drop off, you know, whatever it is. If I'm at the 
grocery store Arab Shabbos, I'll text and say, does anyone need a last minute thing? And people will send. And then I'll just drive around the community dropping it off. Um, so there was definitely, there are so many benefits to moving out of town. I absolutely love it. The stress is so much less. Our you know, tuition is affordable. How much is tuition? I'm currently paying for one, one child is in a, a play group, which is more on the expensive side. So it's about 500 a month. So that's more on the expensive side. And my boys, I pay together 500 for the main school. My uh, that's both of them together. So that's 250 each. And my son is in a special needs program. So that's on top of that, which is another 300 a month. And what are the hours? Are the hours that allow you to work when they're not sick? Yeah. So the only thing that only negative is that I don't have a good play group for my baby. So she's only working. She's only going to play group nine to one, three days a week, but she happens to have some also <laughs> some not special needs, but she has a lot of therapies. So I spend those next two days working from home and arranging all her therapies. So there, there is that, but the hours are like boys leave at like seven twenty in the morning. They get home around four thirty. So it's a full day. My other child is nine to three. So she's also here in the community. It's not a big deal. Overall, the hours are great. I love their schools. I find that their schools are small and personal. So they really get to know my children, especially with their needs. So it's a huge plus. And another great thing that I learned from all of this, besides for like learning to tap into that what do I have to offer that isn't financial? Because much of the Jewish community is, oh, donate, it's miser money. Oh, just, you know, it's a lot of financial that you can assist in things. And it was definitely tapping into our, what do we have to offer other than finances? And there was also a lot of work on our Emunah Bitachon and understanding that this is what God chose for us. And you need to just at a certain point accept it and stop fighting the current and being grateful for all the small things that we do have and raising my children to be happy. And even when their friends have things that they don't have, making those family moments. For example, this past summer, we want to go on a family vacation, but obviously that's not really in our budget. So we rented an Airbnb upstate somewhere and we went swimming in the local lake. We took them to a local farm. We made it really fun on a very tight budget and we made bonfires outside. So teaching them to appreciate life that isn't financial and making those family moments count other than, oh, we're going to a jumping place for $40 today. We can't take you there, but we can have fun in a different way. We could fly a kite, you know? <laughs> Beautiful. But overall we have a happy house, which is to me is all that I could ask for. Wow. Thank you so much, Kelly, for coming on. Thank you. So much. Really. Thank you going there. I know you try not to go back into that place in time. I, I understand and respect that. So thank you for doing this for us. I think it's a nice reality check. I hope it helps anyone, you know, in this predicament, help with some resources and that there is hope at the end too. You know, there is, there is an end in sight somehow. I hope. 
Thank you for listening until the end. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your Pesach next week. Hopefully we will be back with a brand new episode. Thank you so much for all your feedback. Keep reaching out, keep participating in the discussion and keep suggesting new topics and ideas. I'd like to announce that I will be collecting interviews for a special episode on divorce. So if you or someone in your family has experienced divorce in the firm community, I'd like to hear from you. I'd like to hear the wife's perspective, the husband's or the ex perspective. I'd like to hear from somebody who is contemplating or in it at the moment. I'd like to hear perhaps children of divorce and we'll see who we get and what we can do. I hope this episode wasn't too depressing, but do check out the throwback episode. The link is in the show notes. And have an amazing week. Moadim, listen back.